Ever wonder what history's most famous and infamous would say if you asked them for their side of the story? Well, here's your chance. I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, an original podcast by Al Jazeera. In this dramatized series based on historical events, we resurrect some of the world's most notable figures. And in the world of football, there's a lot to choose from. In this episode, we meet Diego Armando Maradona, football's enigmatic and tragic hero. He's often described as having been touched by the divine. But in hindsight, the man was no saint. Hindsight, you've heard of them. Now it's time you hear from them. The Azteca Stadium awash with colour. A vibrant atmosphere for this World Cup quarter-final between Argentina and England. Well over 100,000 here to witness it. It's the 1986 World Cup in Mexico. A soon-to-be legendary quarter-finals match has just kicked off. But for one team, this isn't just about football. It's a national reckoning. A reckoning for the nation that lost the Falklands War. The players march onto the pitch as if they are soldiers on a battlefield intent on victory. Among them is one of the greatest players to have ever played the beautiful game. Diego Maradona, as always, the man to watch. Hey, hey! Get out of my way! Maradona again easily moving away from the huddle in the heart of the midfield. Then England's Steve Hodge accidentally flicked the ball to me. <laughs> Poor guy. He'll never leave that down. I jumped as high as I could. I had to. I'm only 172 centimeters tall. Official records have Maradona standing at a more modest 165. As I jumped, I threw my left arm over my head, and boom! The ball hit my hand, popped over the goalkeeper, and into the goal! It's back over the top, and Maradona has scored! I heard one of the English guys yelling, Hand! Key hands! <laughs> I told myself, Diego, ignore him. Just celebrate. If you celebrate like normal, they won't think you used your hand. One of my teammates asked me what happened. I told him, hug me, hug me, dude. The English players pleading their case had the referees surrounded. But he hadn't seen Maradona's left hand touch the ball. So the goal stood. At the time, I called it the hand of God. Mentira, lies. It was the hand of Diego, Diego Armando Maradona. And it felt a little bit like pickpocketing the English. <laughs> On that day, during the World Cup quarterfinals in Mexico City, people around the world saw both sides of the Argentinian. Yes, his first goal was undeniably controversial, but the brilliance of the second, well, it did no less than convince many football fans of Maradona's sheer divinity. Come on, Diego. You can do it. Keep going. 
That's four defenders down. Just one more to get around. The goalkeeper is coming out. Just go around him, too. Golazo! Goal, goal, goal! Take that! The goal was voted goal of the century, and Argentina went on to win the 1986 World Cup. Maradona was voted the tournament's best player, the hand of God legend forever tied to the man in the number 10 jersey. To his fans, he proved his sporting genius and ability to bend the rules of the game. To his critics, however, he was a cheat. And what did Maradona think about all of this? God was on my side. And well, some fans apparently agreed. Maybe a little too much. A couple of years later, in the Argentinian city of Rosario, his worshippers founded the Church of Maradona. If there is a deity that Maradona resembles, however, it might be one of the Greek gods. His tumultuous life was filled with decadence and hedonism, drug and alcohol abuse, bouts of violence, numerous extramarital affairs, and children he refused to recognize. At his best, Maradona could seemingly transcend religion. But was he touched by God, or was the devil whispering in his ear? I was born on the 30th of October 1960 in a shanty town called Villa Fiorito, just outside Buenos Aires. I was the fifth child of eight, but the first boy. The people in my neighborhood called me Pelusa, which means fluff. That's because my hair was wild and fluffy, always has been. Mi papa worked at a factory. Mi mama was a homemaker. Papa, papa, come play with me. You should have seen the goal. Papa lost. <laughs> I always had a ball at my feet. I didn't have much else. You see, my family was poor. We had no electricity or running water. Quick, everyone. Get the pots to catch the rainwater. Hurry, or else the girl's room might flood again. There were three rooms in that house to feed all ten of us. Imagine that. But I was always happy. We were an affectionate family. And my mother, ooh, she was one of a kind. Every time the food came out, she would say, oh, no, 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 my stomach hurts. But the truth was, she never had a stomach ache. She only said that because there wasn't enough food to go around and she wanted us to eat. What a lady. Mama was always there for me. Football was always there for me, too. Okay, let's go. Two teams. Che, put down some rocks to make the goalposts. <laughs> no goalposts, no grass, just hard ground. But my friends and I played there every day, and we loved it. From a young age, Maradona learned how to dribble, keep close control, and kick with power and precision. The game came quite naturally to him. But even as young as nine years old, there was one skill that set him apart. I'll not make you 
<laughs> That's dribbling the ball between the legs of an opponent. It's an act of immense skill for the attacker and humiliation for the defender. It's a skill that requires patience, timing and bravery. It's something that comes to some players more than others. It's also a remarkable talent for a player as young as Maradona was. But that wasn't the only characteristic that caught the attention of his coaches. Of course the goal counts. I could barely see from the dust either. A revolutionary spirit was building inside the nine-year-old, much like Argentina itself in 1969. A popular revolt among the working class, students and left-wing groups against the dictatorship of General Juan Carlos Oganilla was brewing. A series of strikes and urban riots inspired the country's impoverished, Maradona included. I started to question why we found poverty inevitable. And I started to think of ways I could help my family live a better life. Maradona got his chance. His friend told him that coaches were looking for promising football players. All he had to do was get to the Argentinos Juniors Club, a team in Argentina's top division. If he played well, a contract would follow. He nearly missed the tryouts. I was scared to ask Papa. I needed a pair of football boots to play in. Papa also had to pay for bus fare. There and back. But Maradona didn't have to look far to get what he wanted. <laughs> I knew that if I asked Mama, she would help me convince Papa to spend the money. That woman had a heart larger than ten packed football stadiums. Ah, oh, Mama. Gracias, Mama. You are the best. This is going to change all of our lives. And it would. For better and for worse. That was the first time I saw Buenos Aires. Can you imagine? We only lived about half an hour away, but my parents could not afford to take us all. And anyway, there was no real reason to go until that day. Wow, look at that beach. Grass in real gold posts. Ay, ay, ay. I scored a few goals. The coaches were so impressed they told me to keep coming back to train. And things started to move very quickly for young Maradona. Before I knew it, I was playing games in front of actual fans. By the time I was, what, 13 or 14, I was the star player. I could do things with the ball older players could not. And I guided the team to the championship in 1974. Maradona would go on to rise through the ranks with the Argentinos Juniors youth team Los Cebujitas. People from all over came out to watch the fluffy-haired prodigy. His name was widely circulated in the media. I remember one headline. At the age most kids hear stories, he hears ovations. Unbelievable, eh? There was no going back. Ten days shy of his 16th birthday, Maradona made his professional debut. I was the youngest player in Argentina's league history. In the first few minutes of the match, I nutmegged some guy twice my age. <laughs> Less than six months after his professional debut, Maradona was called up to the national team by Luis El Flaco Menotti. It would be the start of a special relationship between Maradona and the club.
What a stadium, what fans. I remember there's me, still just 16, and everyone was chanting, Marado, Marado. I bought my parents a house, and Papa stopped working at the factory. It was a blessing to take care of my family, especially since life in Argentina wasn't feeling so safe. Argentinian's military ruler, Juan Carlos Oganilla, had been deposed in 1970. But just six years later, another dictator emerged. General Jorge Rafael Videla. His military dictatorship assumed power in March 1976. Between 10 and 30,000 Argentinians disappeared during his reign. Many others suffered grave human rights violations. Videla was an evil man. But at that age, I struggled to understand politics as acutely as I did later on in life. The most important thing was that we left our life in Villa Fiorito behind. How did I get out of Fiorito? With courage. And money. Our new neighborhood was beautiful, but maybe the most beautiful part was my new neighbor, Claudia Villafani. I may have been fearless on the football pitch, but with the ladies, mm, less so. Come on, boy, you can do this. Gee, Claudia, do you come here often? Mm, no, that sounds stupid. Oh, Claudia, I didn't notice you there. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Claudia, would you care to dance? We had been eyeing each other for a few months, but every time I tried to speak to her, I couldn't find the words. My palms would get sweaty and my knees would buckle. It was easier to play in front of thousands of screaming fans. I finally worked up the nerve at a party in the neighborhood. I barely had to nod my head in her direction. Without a word, we started dancing. And straight away, Roberto Carlos' song, I Propose, came on. From that very moment on, we were El Diego and La Claudia. To her, I gave everything. But their love story was no fairy tale. Maradona began having affairs soon after they met. But for now, things for Maradona were looking up. High on his meteoric rise in the game, he worked hard to take Argentina to the 1978 World Cup. But here, Maradona suffered a humbling experience. Hola, Senor Menotti. It's great to hear from you. Are you serious? You're leaving me off the roster for the World Cup when we're playing in my own country. I'm one of the league's top scorers. How can you do this to me? Manotti felt that Maradona, at just 17 years old, was still too young. It was the biggest disappointment of my life. It marked me forever. It defined me. This was when I realized my bronca... Oh, sorry... That's kind of like my anger in English. Anyway, I realized that anger was my fuel. 
I played my best when I was after revenge. Looking for redemption, Maradona led Argentina at the Under-20 World Youth Championship in Japan the next year. Listen up, team. Our country has never won this tournament before. But today we will, for our families, for our country. And to show that more Menotti that he made a mistake. Argentina won the tournament. Maradona scored six goals and was voted best player. Winning that trophy was one of the most beautiful moments of my life. But that win was also for the Argentinian people. Maradona, however, dedicated the trophy to the dictator Videla. Football glory was a good way to distract people from the human rights violations being committed in Argentina. Listen, everyone knows I speak up for the vulnerable and the poor. I did dedicate the trophy to Videla, but only because I had to. Videla insisted on claiming our victory. For most of his life, Maradona opposed authority. On the pitch, but also in his politics. He was an extreme critic of the United States government and its political interference in Latin America. He was also a fervent supporter of Palestine. I support Palestine without any fear. In my heart, I am Palestinian. One way he expressed his politics was through his tattoos. Inked on his right bicep was the face of the Argentinian revolutionary, Che Guevara. I carried him on my arm and in my heart. I read about his story. I learned to love him. And the image of Cuban President Fidel Castro was tattooed on his left leg. Meeting Castro was like touching the sky with my hands. He was like a second father to me. Maradona's passion for his politics was as strong as his passion on the pitch. And that's where his stock continued to rise. With Argentinos Juniors, he was the league's top scorer in 1979 and 1980. Eyes from all over the country were on him. Everybody wanted me to sign with them. But I only had eyes for one team. The blue and yellow of the Boca shirt. It was special. I was proud to wear those colors. Those colors would make a 20-year-old Maradona very rich. In 1981, Boca Juniors signed him for $4 million. The fans adored him, and Maradona rewarded them with goal after goal. But the pressure to play match after match took its physical toll. Che, dog, I'm feeling some pain in my knee. I know the team needs me. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Give me the shot. Gracias, Doc. I'll score a goal for you, eh? In my heart, I knew there was no going back. That was the way my life was going to be. I felt I was a prisoner of fame. In 1982, Maradona left South America behind for Europe. That year, he became the world's most expensive player when he transferred to Barcelona for what was then a record fee of $8 million. Now he was playing at one of Europe's top clubs with and against the best players on the planet. <laughs> Claudia, can you believe this place? 
You didn't believe me when I told you you were viewing an actual castle in Barcelona, huh? It's a long way from Villa Fiorito, that's for sure. So, what do you say? Should we take it? <laughs> Maradona's signing with Barcelona came in the midst of the 1982 World Cup. But back in Argentina, people were distracted by war. Confrontation between Britain and Argentina over the Falkland Islands is escalating quickly. Here is how and why. Those English bastards, who do they think they are, huh? They invade our Malvinas and kill our brothers and sisters. They'll see what happens next time we meet on the pitch. In 1982, the Falklands War broke out after Argentina's military government tried to end British control over the islands. In 74 days of war, 255 British soldiers and 649 Argentinian soldiers were killed. But Maradona's revenge would have to wait. He first had to prove his worth at Barcelona. It did not go to plan. Barcelona was harsh. About a year after I joined, an opponent tackled me hard and broke my ankle. They said I'd be out for six months. I was back on the pitch in three. But, it must be said, Barcelona was a party. I tried cocaine for the first time, and man, it made me feel alive. And I had so much money to spend, I didn't know what to do with it. So, I drank a lot, partied a lot. The coaches and managers weren't happy with all of that. They tried to control me, and that's when the problem started. The coaches were trying to get him to do his job, like getting up early to train. I'm not an early riser. Why should this be a big deal? My biggest problem was with the team's president, José Luis Núñez. In 1983, Maradona was invited to a testimonial match for Paul Breitner. Breitner was a German national team player and one of the best players of that era. But Núñez wouldn't let Maradona travel and play. The Copa del Rey final, Spain's national football tournament, was approaching, and Nunez wanted his players fresh. To keep Maradona from disobeying, Nunez took away his passport. You take my passport? What am I, a slave? Please, give it back. Okay, I try to be civil. Give me back my passport, or I will destroy your trophies, one by one. It's your choice. <laughs> you think I'm bluffing? They returned my passport. The club still didn't allow him to travel for the game, though. And the worst was yet to come. The Copa del Rey final in 84 against Athletic Club de Bilbao. It was a tense final. It was a player from Athletic Club who broke my ankle earlier that season. The game would go down in history, but not for football. Before the match, Athletic's coach drummed up controversy when he spoke about the superiority of the Basque race. That race is jerk. Evaluating people as if he's God Almighty. The physical and verbal attacks during the game created the perfect storm. First you break my ankle. Then, you kick me all throughout the game. And now you tell me to get lost? Why don't you... 
the actual language was more colorful. Here, I'll just give you a little tap. <laughs> Maradona flew into the air and landed a knee in the face of a member of the opposing team's staff. A fight broke out as players from both teams rushed onto the pitch. I'm only human, and I was just defending myself and my teammate. Maradona rarely, if ever, took responsibility for his own actions. Anyway, it's not like it was the end of the world. End of the world, no. But it was the end of his career with Barcelona. Maradona was even forced to apologize to the King of Spain, who was in attendance that day. Che, this is incredible. You want another line? Oh, I'm gonna have another. I knew my life was moving in a bad direction, but I needed to escape. Finally, Nunez agreed to sell me to another team. Injuries, temper problems, all-night partying. I thought leaving Barcelona would help me escape all that. Maradona was revered for his exceptional skills, but his reputation for losing his cool on the pitch and his extracurricular affairs off the pitch were damaging his reputation. Few teams wanted to take a risk on Maradona, except for Napoli. In July 1984, Maradona officially joined Napoli. But if he was looking for a fresh start, he was mistaken. Stories of drugs, alcohol, and the mafia soon followed him there. Napoli was willing to take a chance on me after Barcelona. I was determined to meet their expectations. We will be a club that people respect. Just put the pressure on my shoulders, lads. I can carry us. In my first year, we went from near the bottom of the standings to reaching the UEFA Cup. Oof! The fans show me more love than the local saint, San Gennaro. And then came the 1986 World Cup in Mexico. Listen up. Today is about more than defeating a football team. It's about defeating a country. Let's use our bronca to avenge our fallen countrymen. The fallen countrymen were, of course, those who'd been killed four years earlier in the Falkland Islands. Islas Malvinas! must win. Winning this game is more important than winning the trophy for Argentina. Come on, Diego. Come on. Finish it for my brothers. For our brothers. Goal! Goal! I want to cry! Holy God! Long live football! Oh, what a goal! Diego! I can't help crying, forgive me. Maradona, what planet did you come from? Sweet Lord, thank you. Thank you for the game of football, for Maradona, for these tears, and for this Argentina 2, England 0. <laughs> che, fellas, tonight... We celebrate avenging our countrymen! Yeah!
Argentina went on to play West Germany in the final and win the 1986 World Cup. In one year, I managed to win the World Cup, had Napoli win its first Italian championship, and my first child, Dalma, was born. Oh, isn't she beautiful, Claudia? Little Dalma. Named after me, Mama. Oh, you're a special girl. But Dalma was not actually Maradona's first child. Six months prior, he had fathered a son. But when Cristiana Sinagra told Maradona she was pregnant, he left her. It was a pattern he would repeat numerous times. Italian courts would recognize Maradona as the father of Sinagra's son, but it would take until 2016, 30 years after the fact, for Maradona to do the same. Maradona may have abandoned his child, but he was not yet ready to abandon the city and its people. The people in Napoli loved me. They even hung a banner in the cemetery telling the dead, you don't know what you missed. <laughs> when I had to do a blood test, the nurse kept some of my blood. She put it in a small vial and put it at the church of San Gennaro. Can you imagine that? They were my kind of people, working class, unpretentious. It was a lot like Buenos Aires. We became a team of the working class. These people made sacrifices to buy the ticket. Maradona, however, was paid more than enough to shield himself from any working class struggles. He bought a yacht that had a fleet of cars. But Napoli wasn't always a good time. Whenever we went north to Milan or Turin, we'd hear them say things against the southern Italians like, Sick with cholera, victims of the earthquake, you never washed with soap. And people accused us of being paid by the Camorra. The Camorra is one of the oldest criminal organizations in Italy. Its association with the football team has never been proven, but suspicions grew in 1988. The team was in prime position to win a second straight title, but then collapsed in the final few games of the season. Rumours circulated that the collapse was linked to sports betting. The Camorra ran the Naples gambling scene and many had bet on the Napoli football club winning the league that year. Winning would have bankrupted the Camorra. I could never stand being accused of the team selling out to the bookies, even if the accusations weren't targeting me personally. I was willing to leave Napoli if people thought there were any players who had sold out. Anyway, I had the UEFA Cup to worry about. Maradona wasn't just a star player, he was a showman. During the 1989 tournament, he was at his personal and professional peak. People from around the world traveled to watch him play. Che, fellas, let's get a farm warm, my bean. What do you say? Check this out. A small bounce off my thigh, off my shoulder, off my hand. Hey, hey, let's move to the music. <laughs> Life is live. Eso. Ah, my body could do so much then. Well, 1989 was a good year. We won the UEFA Cup and my second daughter Giannina was born. 
Those were good times. Happier times. Claudia and I finally decided to get married that year, too. She was a beautiful bride. Claudia had stuck by me for 12 years by that point. With our two beautiful little girls, we were a happy family. Keeping it that way was another story, but I only have myself to blame. I wasn't home much. I was either training or out partying. I was doing a lot of drugs. Hi, Miss Nenas. One minute, girls. I'm just going to use the bathroom. In 1990, Maradona's life started to fall apart. At the World Cup in Italy, he was a shadow of the player he'd been four years earlier. I had an injured ankle, so it was tough to do what I was expected to do. Maradona had to take pain-killing injections throughout much of the tournament. We played against Italy in the semifinals. My ankle was killing me, but I had to forget about it and just play. I also had to try and block out the fans. Argentina beat Italy and advanced to the finals to play against West Germany. Italian fans were no longer supporting Maradona and Argentina. How dare they boo our anthem? I was burning with bronca. At that time, rage didn't bring victory. We lost our chance at winning the World Cup again by a single goal. It was a difficult time. I was also not making any friends with FIFA. I was angry that the players weren't getting the award money directly, that it was distributed among federations instead. Years later, I was asked about my thoughts, and as always, I didn't back down. Ah, FIFA authorities should put on some boots and shorts and see if anyone would pay to see them play. FIFA is a mafia that dictates everything. Maradona was never afraid to speak up for the players, but back in Napoli, not much had changed in Diego's personal life. Ah, uh -huh. Hold on a minute. Just gotta pop back into the bathroom for a minute. Yep, small bladder, you know. After matches on Sunday, I'd head out to the strip clubs. Uh, uh. Ladies, come on, let's dance. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Those were my party days. After his bender, he would work hard for 48 hours with a trainer to get in shape before the next match on Sunday. But then in 1991, Maradona tested positive for cocaine. And not for the last time. I was doing cocaine my entire time in Naples. Why did I test positive after seven years? The Italian Football Association was still mad about losing in the World Cup and I swear they were out to get me. I was self-testing all along, and that day, I was clean. They set me up. That's why I left Napoli. Maradona was banned from football for 15 months. He left Napoli in disgrace, riddled with drug and health problems. I went home to Buenos Aires. I had a bug injury, so I was hoping I would get healthier at home and that things would get better. They didn't. 
Police raided a house Maradona was at with his friends. They found drugs on the premises. Oh, those 15 months without football were brutal. If my family wasn't there with me, I don't know what I would have done. In 1994, with no football club to play for, he decided to visit his country home in Moreno. He was also trying to avoid the press, but a group of journalists followed him. Maradona lost it. You jerks. I tried to ask you nicely to leave me alone. You want to treat me like I'm a dog. Harass me and my family. I'll show you what happens when I bite back. Maradona injured five journalists with an air rifle. He was given a suspended sentence. The stress, the pressure, it was all too much. I finally snapped. My addiction didn't help. I tried to turn a new page, but my demons were never far off. That year, Maradona had one last chance to bring glory back to Argentina on the world stage. He got himself back in a fighting form for the 1994 World Cup in the United States. He helped Argentina win over Nigeria and Greece, but the celebrations ended after the results of a drug test came in. They cut my legs off. Maradona failed. He would never play in a World Cup match again. I didn't use drugs. I don't know what happened. I swear that I wasn't doped up, but I see that they don't care. I always felt the Argentine Football Association had it out for me. We butted heads throughout my career. And until the case is finally settled, Diego Maradona remains suspended from all footballing activity. I was 33 years old and felt absolutely destroyed. Football was all I'd ever known. I returned to my spiritual home of Boca Juniors. The fans gave me nothing but love. But for a couple of years, I struggled to play like the old Diego. Uh, I was addicted to drugs, and my body was falling apart. I needed help. I played my last match on October 25th, 1997. Claudia was in the stands that day. So was my father. This is incredible. The world can see the love you've given me and the passion you have for a number 10 that luckily has sometimes made you smile. I don't know how else I can repay you, my fans. I just try to play with joy and to give you all joy too. I thank you with all my heart. I retired five days later on my 37th birthday. I went on to coach and did some advertising. I even hosted a TV show for a while called La Noche de Diez. As the years passed, Maradona struggled to shake his drug and alcohol addictions. He turned to his old friend, Fidel Castro, for help. Fidel told me about a nice rehab in Cuba. We both thought it might be good for me to go for a while. But in Cuba, Maradona ended up focusing more on partying 
than rehabilitation. Hey, beautiful. Yep, I dyed my hair blonde. Let's dance. How was I supposed to get better in such a place? Drugs, affairs, and later, accusations that he'd fathered three children in Cuba. In fact, it's believed Maradona fathered at least eight children over the years with six different women. His wife, Claudia, asked for a divorce in 2003. She'd stuck with me for nearly 20 years. I couldn't blame her for leaving. I was in bad shape by then. Mentally, spiritually, and definitely physically. In 2005, I had gone from almost 72 kilos to over 135 kilos. I had a gastric bypass in Colombia, and in 2007, I was hospitalized for drinking too much. When I recovered from surgery, I was blessed with a new beginning. In 2008, I was appointed coach of Argentina's national football team. The media thought it was a stunt. Maradona was heavily criticized in the run-up to the tournament for leaving a few star players off the final roster. But he took even more flack for his unsavory demeanor with the press. We qualified for the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, and I let the media have it. I told them they could all... Maradona was known for his colorful language, but his anger wouldn't be enough to fuel him to a win at this World Cup, not even with the best player on the team since Maradona himself, a young Lionel Messi. After that, I coached in the UAE and Belarus. It was a good chance to have new experiences in interesting places. But Maradona's private life continued to hit the press for all the wrong reasons. A video popped up of Maradona allegedly hitting his girlfriend, Rocio Oliver. I swear to God, I never raised my hand against a woman. I threw the phone, nothing else. There was more. Accusations of dangerous driving, acts of violence, including sexual harassment, also followed Maradona. There were also more questions about his drug use and alcoholism. At the 2018 World Cup in Russia, Maradona was seen on television behaving bizarrely. He gave fans the middle finger and at one point appeared to faint. It was made to be a bigger deal than it actually was. But okay. It wasn't a good time in my life. I needed a change. And the Dorados de Sinaloa club in Mexico gave it to me. Sinaloa was home to one of Mexico's most notorious drug cartels, headed by the infamous Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. That is why so many started asking one basic question. What on earth are you doing in Sinaloa? Is it the drugs? Maradona stayed with the Dorados for two years. And even though he was often the spectacle, he couldn't go anywhere without fans crowding him. Maradona did what he was hired to do. He inspired the players to new heights and turned around the club's fortunes. They came close to qualifying for the first division, twice. And then Maradona left. I was a good coach. But man, my knees had gotten so bad I was walking with a cane. I also felt lonely. I wanted to go back to Argentina. 
And there in September 2019, Maradona became head coach of Inazia e Esgrima La Plata. In little over one year, he will be dead. Fans turned out for the match on October 30th, 2020. They were shocked. Not by the play, but how Maradona looked. The game took place on his 60th birthday. He had to be helped onto the field. He walked slowly. His voice was weak. Ay, ay, ay. I was always in pain. All those injuries over the years. But I don't know if that was all that was happening. When the pandemic hit, so did the real pain. I was lonely. I couldn't see anyone. You know what I mean. On November 2nd, 2020, Maradona was hospitalized with anemia, dehydration, and depression. An MRI revealed he had a subdural hematoma. Blood had collected between his skull and the surface of the brain. Maradona underwent brain surgery. Three weeks later, on November 25th, Diego Maradona died of a heart attack while recovering on the outskirts of Buenos Aires. Football legend Diego Maradona has died. The 60-year-old Argentinian passed away on Wednesday from a heart attack. Argentinian President Alberto Fernandez declared three days of national mourning. Tens of thousands of fans attended a public wake. Throughout his career, Maradona questioned authority. He stood up for his teammates even when it did damage to himself. In an era before player power, Maradona took on the hierarchy. But even in death, Maradona's life story is not over. In June 2022, it was announced that eight people who took care of Maradona during his final days will go on trial for homicide. Maradona was buried next to his parents in Bella Vista, Argentina. I wasn't perfect. Far from it. I always acted with passion. Sometimes that didn't lead me to make the best decisions. But people loved me because I was one of them. I hope I gave them some beautiful memories. Memories? Indeed, he created many. Because no matter what you may have thought of the man, this you will have to agree. Diego Armando Maradona was unforgettable. Hindsight is narrated by me, Charles Dance. This series was produced by Sout Podcasts. Their team is producer and editor Tala Elisa, production coordinator Rana Dawood, editor and fact checker Omar Faris, associate producer Basant Samhunt, sound design by Taisir Kabani, assembly sound editing by Yazan Kawas. This episode is written by Justin Salani. Research by Victoria Silva-Sanchez. Fact-checking by Tarek Ayub. Diego Maradona is played by Danny Pardo. 
Extra voices played by Stephen Brunton, Carlos Serrato, Marcelo Trigo, and Jose Leon. Football commentary is played by Stephen Brunton. Voice coaching by Zayn Ganma. Recording by Revolution Recording and Voconet. Additional research and fact-checking by Al Jazeera and Amma Boateng. Script editing by Danilo Hawaleshka. Joe DeFrias is the executive producer of Special Projects. Juan Carlos Van Meek is Al Jazeera's director of digital innovation and programming. Hindsight is a historical drama podcast. All dramatized scenes and dialogue are inspired by historical events, old interviews, and in some cases, new conversations with people close to the subject. <laughs>